No intermission. Shh. Shut up. Listen. Need, need, need a magic lamp. One with a genie that could get me what I want. No three rule limit. Need me a genie that could get me what I want. Blow me a wish. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Performing the Arts, Episode 9 of Season 2. My name, as always, is Brian M. Davis, your friendly neighborhood host. Joining me today is... Uh, I want to say a coworker, a colleague, a friend of mine, Rachel Navarro, aka Leva Scar. Hi, guys. She she could actually uh, uh, present herself much more better than I can. No, you do. Um, he said it. Uh, my stage, my artist name is Leva Scar. I make music. And I also act. I have an acting career, if I dare say so myself. Um, and so my name is Rachel Navarro. But um, right now, I'm, I'm doing more music. So I just, I'm Leva Scar. Nice to meet you. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to get that more pointed about this since uh, I'm not sure what, what, what field I will be talking to her today uh, because I know you have essentially... Like any performing artist, you have your hand like dipped into the pool of water that is essentially performing arts. You know, you not only act, you write, you sing, you also write songs. So, as a performing artist, uh, I feel like you have uh, a lot of experience to talk about, not only as an actress but also singer, producer, and that sort of thing. So, uh, to get us started very easily. How did you get into performing arts, especially something with like singing and, and acting especially? Sure. So with the performing arts, I have two older sisters and um, I wanted to do everything they were doing. And they started acting in off off Broadway and we had a Sunday school that they acted in and hey, I wanted to do it too. So that got me on stage. And I'm still a quiet person, but I was always a very to myself girl. My grandma always said, Rachel, you're so timid. And I still am, but performing was different. I was allowed to have, to be the center of attention. But then I had all the freedom and comfortability of, oh, it's not really me. This is a persona or this is a character. So... To answer your question, uh, I started performing, I don't know, like seven, eight years old, which was mostly acting. And then I did a musical theater. Um, goodness, I was like maybe 10 or nine years old. And my sisters were the main actors, but I was part of the ensemble. And the show was called Aesop's Fables. And it was just twists on classic, classic stories. So, I know Aesop's Fables. So, yeah. Yeah. so I was um, just singing and, and acting along with them. But I was homeschooled most of my life. And then I started real school in seventh grade. And it was a total just mind-bending thing because all I had to, I, I guess, have any idea of what schooling was, was through TV and movies. And it was nothing yeah. That? Doctor, yeah, right? sa- sa- sadly, yes. And yeah. it, it, it's odd how essentially 
some of the most, and it's odd how essentially how some of the most TV shows that you watch, like say something like Glee or uh, Degrassi, they kind of like, I don't want to say they Hollywood, Hollywood? Like they, they, they kind of, they, yeah, they, they don't kind of, they Highwood lies the concept of school when if you, you know, public school or private school, school in general, it's odd because you meet different people, especially, you know, going into school and you, and when you leave school, you probably see the same people, but they change over the years. But with stuff like, say, Glee and Degrassi, they do kind of keep characters almost the same because they are essentially caricatures of, say, oh, you know, that's the geek, that's the, the, the tech nerd, you know, that's the alpha cheerleader, that's her uh, little squatty, you know, sisters, that sort of thing, you know. But they when. Do cliches. Like, yeah. oh, that's a girl. Yes, essentially. So it's, it's weird, especially when you're watching stuff, uh, you know, growing up, especially TV shows, you're, you kind of expect these things. Oh, I meet, you know, well, I meet, you know, uh, my Prince Charming boyfriend, you know, during a dance. That's what When in Aspinale, you know, you can meet your Prince Charming boyfriend at, uh, like a, some science class, like dissecting a frog or something like that. And, you know, it's like, it's a very weird thing, especially, you know, once you're done with high school or just, you know, the, the primary education, you know, the preliminaries will move on to a sense of like college and stuff like that. It's much more weird because you are now interacting with people who are either close to your own age or around your own age and then since or all the people who are essentially like 10 years your own like 10 years from your own age that sort of thing so yeah it, it's odd how essentially Hollywood has made this concept of education especially at schools like a very very fun thing when the maximally you you could look at any other schools, like I think it could be in like some sort of rating, like rating scandal, uh, you know, bullying, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's odd how essentially TV and films kind of like make this, essentially make this into a very glamorized concept, especially when you, especially when they, you know, caricatures or stereotypes essentially into these things. Yeah. Uh, could work for the storyline, like the like the the weird girl works for the storyline. The bully it works for a storyline, but um, what was I gonna say? But basically, so I had like you said these these fixed ideas, and I just was like I had no idea what school was. So yeah. when I started school, twelve years old, seventh grade. When I went into class, I just sat at the desk that was available. And then this kid, Kevin, he comes up to me and goes, excuse me, you're sitting at my desk. And in my head, I was like, wait, no, but in the TV shows, the new girl just sits down and that's her seat. And yeah, there are all these cliches and um, 
those shows it always it always focused on the drama the relationships and yes that's the point but they say one or two lines about homework or or yeah. when when did a high school show when was the last time you heard a high school show talking about the SATs or like you know my mom okay well maybe they do this like my mom won't let me leave the house because I'm grounded it gave you such this like different idea it was more it, it was this drama that grown people kind of have that these poor 14 15 year olds are dealing with so yeah it was very unrealistic so it shot my expectations completely um so I had to adapt and um yeah, shout out to, I, I don't know if anyone who's been homeschooled is watching this and then you went to real school, if that happened to you, I mean, I, yeah. I feel what you felt. Uh, it, it's odd, essentially, though. Yeah, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, uh, it happens a lot. Before. I was kind of like, let me talk until, and then my, my thought came back. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I literally had a thought and then it just vanished, so which is a common occurrence on this show. If you see my show, and if you watch my episodes, I have a lot of train of thoughts, and then the train of thoughts would just leave and vanish, and then I would have my thing. But sometimes my, I would have a thought, and then immediately just, like, literally just jump out the window, and just like, I ain't saying that, and just says goodbye. Anyway, uh, so yeah, in school, did you actually encounter like a theater club, glee club, that sort of thing, or will you type of, will you essentially like, hey, um, academic clubs are not really my thing because they're, you know, or was that something like, something that wasn't uh, available to you, especially? Yeah, I honestly completely chickened out when I started high school, I completely chickened out of auditioning for a play. And get this, this is why I didn't, because we we sit down, every every student who was interested and the uh, the director who was, you know, maybe an English teacher, or I, I don't yeah. know. But the director is standing there and being all intimidating, like, so I need you to dance, sing, and act. And I was like, oh, well, um, you know, I've done some of those things before. And I felt most confidence in my acting. I think I always have. Um, but he said, yeah, you have to come up and sing a song and there will be choreography. And I also had a dance background, but something about like the singing thing just really scared me. And I didn't show up. Those weren't even the auditions. That was kind of a, um, I don't even know, the word isn't coming to mind, but he was kind of uh, just letting you know what this would entail. And I didn't do it and it bothered me because years later, I, I reconnected with people that were in the plays at high school and they were like, oh no, Rachel, you, you would have gotten in. Like you didn't have to be good at singing, dancing or acting. I mean, I'm sure you had to have some sort of talent and I know there yeah. were people in the shows, but they said, no, like if, if you were there to do it and you committed and you tried your best, like, oh, I'm sure you would have gotten in. So that was a like, damn it, I really missed out on that kind of a feeling. So no, I didn't do anything creative. I, I stopped by a couple of debate club meetings. Um, I did a, a pro-life club um, for a little while. I did an Italian club. 
um, the Asian American club was popping, but I was so, they had their own, this is my thing. I don't know if you, if this happens to you, I'm working on it, but the Asian American club, I could tell like these, these group of people were already best friends and they already had inside jokes and they already had so many experiences together. And of course I was welcome to join, but after just sitting in and hearing about it again, I was like, you know what? this isn't for me. So yeah, part self-sabotage, part, you know, just innocence, being a 15 year old, like, I don't know what this is. So I never really, I never really stuck to any of those things. I kind of did them for a little bit and then I was taken out of school. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you were taken out of school twice or would you just take out of school? Well, yeah. from age, you know, zero to 12, I was homeschooled. My mom yeah. is, well, she was, she's alive. She's alive, but she was a, a, an English teacher. So, and she's a very smart woman. So she educated my siblings and I, but I guess one year my parents decided they'll go to school. So I went for a seventh grade, eighth grade, and then I went to high school freshman year, sophomore year, but I was taken out after sophomore year. So oh, okay. I four years of, of that schooling experience. And ah, gotcha. I was in a private Catholic school, so they took me out because they couldn't afford it. I mean, it was expensive. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I went to a Catholic school, uh, was it, uh, between my, from, I believe, kindergarten to eighth grade, and of course, I went to different, you know, public schools, that sort of thing. But I also, you know, for Sunday service, you know, Sunday Catholic school, that sort of thing. So it was hard for me to do all that. So, yeah. And I was actually soon there for, I want to say, for at least from grades two to five. You know, once I was done with the elementary school, I was in there for at least from like grade two or five, and then essentially moved on to like junior high, high school, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I think that for the most part, uh, Catholic schools are very, very hard to uh, financially you know, keep yourself and, and your children inside school-wise. But yeah, uh, coming off of that though, uh, how did you, it's like once you were done with college, not college, but once you were done with like the whole high school age, where it's just like, okay, you're done with high school, technically, you know, and you graduated. You know, I'm not sure what I'm doing air quotes, but you know what I mean. You, you know, you graduated from. You, you, I didn't graduate. I got my GED. Yeah. Once you got your, yeah, once, okay, once you got your GED and became essentially done with general education and you moved on to community college and this has been popping up uh, most recently in my show is that a lot of my people who I've talked to have been alumni of the borough of Manhattan Community College, BMCC, represent. And for the most part, how did you actually come aboard into going to BMCC? Because I know, especially if you, was it just under a uh, liberal arts degree where it's like, okay, I'll just do liberal arts, you know, and I know BMCC has a great program something like that you I'm just in and out in there for like two years so how did you actually become 
Now, when you went to BMCC, did you, were you automatically a theater student or did you just discover theater just by chance? Um, so, no, I started out as liberal arts because I, I think um, a lot of younger people with big dreams, a lot of times they just kind of, listen, I thought it was going to happen to me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought uh. it was going to happen to me. Um, it, it might, we'll see. But um, I, I was a liberal arts major. In my heart, I still was like, oh, one day I'm going to be a big star, movie star, tour the world doing my music. You know, when you're just like, this is yeah. something with the dream. So I thought, I don't have to have that as a major. And I don't know why I thought that. So I did liberal arts and I did it for one semester. And I, after the first week, I was bored out of my mind and I changed my major to theater. So, um, but I took all the required courses that you have to do anyway. I completed that, which put me on track for the next semester. And then I studied theater and I like to say the rest is history because things got really cool uh, once, once that chapter of my life began. All right, I'm gonna pause for a, pause for a second because I want to go about better than this. It's ironic. <laughs> yes, and we're back. No, I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, a little uh, technical difficulty I had before. So yeah, uh, and I oh. just realized I just realized I've been up on my chair the whole time. So it looks oh, like I'm I am been... so much. I hope it's okay. I'm very. I don't know if you've noticed, like when we hang out, I'm very like I move. I'm fidgety. I'm like a little monkey. I like to. Uh, I'm like that too, but it's mostly because of the just general hyper hyperactivity. So it's, it's mostly just to keep my energy in motion. But yeah, uh, BMCC. It, I I've talked about this before in the past, but I remember having an advisor there, not like theater advisor, but just like the uh, college advisor. Uh, advisor. And he basically told me straight up, hey, if you go to the theater arts program, you probably won't be able to graduate in like a year and a half. You know, you'll be stuck, I don't know, uh, you'll, be, you'll be stuck here an extra year and a half. That's what he told me. And I was like, no, I want to be an actor because I want to be an actor. I want to study acting. The sad thing is that I, when I when I was transferring into BMCC, I should just got to BMCC as a fresh student because if I was a, as a fresh student, I would have relearned everything. But stupid me, I decided to just transfer over because I was a I was a student at Kingsborough Community College, and I feel like that really screwed me over because in terms of their studying at Kingsborough Community College, like I had good theater professors there, but they weren't really, really as good as the ones I would have at BMCC. So it was like, and I would see the stuff like, act, I would see stuff from, you know, Papa Cheese's acting in one class or Key's acting in one class or stuff like that. And, you know, I'd be like, wow, I kind of wish I was, I kind of wish I'd be able to take those classes like Kim, because you know, technically speaking, I've already done my, you know, intro to acting, acting one, acting two, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, so well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, not to cut you off, but I'm cutting no. you off. I love when people say that, and now I'm doing it. I'm sorry. You could finish no, your... No, no, that was my thought. Was, was, well, that, I, I, 
said you wanted to uh, continue acting with him. I send, I send key. I send her self tapes, and she gives me notes, and she helps me adjust, and she gives me feedback. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, she's personally, the the only person. I mean, she offered she offered it to me. She was kind enough to write it on Facebook, and then I reached out. Hey, key, give me feedback on this audition, this audition. Um, so you, you, the connection can stay, uh, you just have to reach out. I mean, uh, luckily she, she don't charge me. <laughs> she should be charging me, but she's, I don't know. She doesn't and it's fantastic. Um, and I appreciate it, but if there's, uh, an acting class or, I mean, do you, do you talk to the professors at all? Because yeah. I'm sure you could just keep in contact with no, I, I, I mean, in terms of when I was a student at BMCC, they're just transferred into it as a fresh student so I could actually relearn all the stuff I would have to be on relearn this stuff. But going at, as a transferee at BMCC, I feel like it wasted my potential because I really didn't have the sense of like acting as I did when I took, you know, theater at Brooklyn College. Because at Brooklyn College, I feel like I have much more of a strong grasp in acting now more than ever because not only do i feel like i have you know goals and that sort of thing it feels like i they feel you know taking it, it's sort of like the best way to describe it skipping the t t tutorial to like a video game it's like oh i know the tutorial already and you just skip to the thing but you kind of like want to play that tutorial anyway because you know you haven't played this you know, you haven't played this game in, like, say, a year and a half or something like that, a couple of years. And tutorial allows you to, like, hey, R1 allows you to shoot, you know, R2 allows you to reload, that's what. And here's you just going, ah, I, I, like, I know how to do it. I know this game. And then when you're playing the game, you're kind of, like, very rushed and so. Like, mm -hmm. but, yeah, I, I definitely do keep in t contact with my former professors, that's what, you know, former professors, that sort of thing. And... I would love to have at least a, a blockade of, of this show to actually talk to professors of, of, of theater and performing that. So, yeah, yeah. I've, been, I, I've been actually thinking about doing an idea, but I'm not sure how to actually frame it, especially. Uh, anyway, uh, so. Are you not going to share it? Okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's just an idea that I'm just going to be uh, thinking about for the next like, couple oh. of weeks. Keep brewing it. Um, no. But, yeah. I I like what you said about skipping the tutorial because after years of acting, I mean, technically I've been acting for like uh, 15 years, even the years I wasn't acting, I would like to think that when I was watching TV, watching my favorite actors like Kate Winslet, I'd be like, oh, I love what she's doing and try to, you know, that's not acting, acting, but when you have enough training and we've, we've trained a good amount, um, there are certain things that you already know how to do or yeah. uh, technical things or it could be internal things. And that, that is amazing. So then when you audition or just given a script, because that's amazing when that happens, you kind of just go to your little box of, of tricks and research and you make that character three-dimensional without being like, oh my gosh, how do I sound? Because you're past yeah. that. Yeah, essentially. Uh, 
And I will say that, like, the moment you are given a script and you are given essentially free reign on that script, it's like one of the most joyous uh, feelings to actually do. But, yeah. yeah. Exciting. Well, I get so, so, going back to BMCC, you mentioned that, you know, Sort of like me, the first semester I was there, I wasn't just technically a theater student. I was only a liberal arts major because I, I think it's because I wasn't exactly able to change my major until like the next major changing. So by the end of that semester, I, would be, I was able to change it to theater. So going into your simply your second semester and the rest of your uh, time at BMCC. How was it like not only performing on stage there, but just like getting the the experience from different professors, uh, hanging with different students, that's what? Yeah, well, I started theater and it, it was so perfect because my schedule and I still have my notebooks from, from school and something really um, amazing that I write and I've been writing my whole life. Um, I would write down not only fascinating things or things I found interesting that my professors say, but I would write down actual quotes that they said. Like I would put in parentheses these quotes and I still have those notebooks. And I'm actually in the process of, I have Evernote, which you just, it automatically saves all your notes. Um, I do that, especially when lyrics come to my head. I'm like, ooh, let me write it automatically saves it. Um, so I, I, I got, I, I don't know, like this, this feeling, I don't know if it's just for someone who hasn't had that many years of schooling or maybe yeah. I was so excited because I was starting to really pursue my passion. Like it felt like my heart was smiling. I know that sounds kind of silly. No, no, that's not really, like, as you said, uh, yeah, there is something special when your professor uh, offers up uh, nuggets of, uh, essentially nuggets of uh, quotes that yeah. I would have professors who would do that in the past. And, and, and there's a funny story is like, I would have, uh, last year, my film professor, I would always use like idioms, uh, like see, like these rare quotes and he would look at the class and goes, remember that phrase, it might be on the test. So I'd be like, I, I would literally just like, write down what you just said, put it in, uh, put it in like quotations and then put, and just put like a little star right next to it. So it, it'd be like, and I'd be looking at that quote, I'd be like, if I'm looking at my notes, I'd be like, and I see that, that quotation and then I start, I'm like, I don't think I remember that quote, okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that. Cause I, I guess we're both big note takers. I'm obsessed with taking notes and- yeah. I I miss taking notes, so yeah, it's like that was someone. But yeah, especially now that I have a laptop, it it, it was said that you know with, because of coronavirus, it's like I have a laptop finally to use for school. I don't have to use my notebook anymore. I don't I can I don't have to worry about getting my hand all hurting after writing like a few notes. Sure. And then like the and then a month and a half into uh, the semester, all shit. To do. It was just like it was like one big cluster, uh, but yeah, that, that's a story for another time. That's completely life changing. I know your schedule completely altered. 
Yeah, um, especially especially when it came from oh yeah, we, you know we had uh, essentially on-site campus uh, classes to essentially off-site campus online classes. And did you Which, have were you taking performing classes because yeah. that was the transition? Okay, so let, this past semester I had two classes. One was a devising class, so we were actually creating our own little st uh, play festival that we would have been producing and performing at the end of April going into May. And I was also in a props class, creating my own props for like hypothetical stuff. And I was only able to create at least one prop. Mm. And uh, the other props I've had, or had were around the house, that sort of thing. And it was like not as best as it was gonna be. So yeah. Uh, it, it was an odd thing because this was about uh, this was essentially the class which was essentially over zoom that sort of thing or be over blackboard you know yeah. that sort of thing so it, it, it's odd how essentially this whole semester this past semester especially since I, we were uh, some of us were graduating how essentially it ended up essentially just being almost like a FaceTime just between us classmates and, you know, we've been, you know, some of us were lying in bed, you know, listening to the professor, talking to the professor, and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's weird. It's just a total, it's, total dynamic switch. Yeah, it, it, the coronavirus thing, especially uh, around Brooklyn College was like the most weirdest, like, weirdest time because the last day I was there was like, you could just sense everyone was just off. It was like, it's like you just sense everything was off. But, and then the, later that day, they just said, "Hey, just don't worry about next, don't worry about tomorrow. We're closing the campus for two, two weeks." And two weeks became a month. And then essentially, June, he was like, "You know what? If these colleges are closed, we might as well just close the rest of these school semesters." Yeah. As a as a theater maker, it, it felt very bittersweet because all the stuff that we were gearing towards the start of semester, especially with devising, it really couldn't shine through because you need to have a stage, you need to have the lights on you, you need to have an audience. So doing it over like this, like, you know, over the computer, that sort of thing, it was doable, but it wasn't the same experience. And it's weird because we just, I just had the same conversation today for one of my other guests, uh, Joe, and you and I both know Joe, you know, it's like, we both had him for like a director and it, it, it's odd how essentially, you know, even though Zoom performances or Zoom plays might be a reality for the next couple of months or at least towards the end of the year, the show life for this thing could only be so much because after a while, people will just get, get tired of seeing like, I don't want to see it. It's like, I, I love using Zoom to promote this stuff, but how, you know, there's something about the roar of the crowd and the audience just to make you actually want to actually keep on going. Especially with you as a singer, which I'll get to in a couple of, you know, a little while. With you as a singer, you know, singers and musicians have to live off the, the, the crowd itself because if the crowd doesn't like the song or it's like, okay, okay, I'm singing the Olympic song, so we'll just do a little old school song and keep yeah. you old, that sort of thing. So, yeah. and and in theater, you have to be adaptable too. So, yeah, 
it, it was a weird feeling, not only as a theater artist, but also just being a theater major in general, because here's what I've been gearing up towards get graduation, and then the graduation just ended up just becoming Brian Davis, you know, with someone with someone reading my voice off the computer, and just like, I'm like, yay, I'm graduated. And all this. Well, you still graduated. You yes, I still graduated, you know. still graduated. You don't have to go back because it's still going to be Zoom in the fall. So, yes. graduate. Uh, that's, if I, yeah, that's if I want to do uh, the master's degree, but, but yeah, I yeah. always... It's like I always joke, it's like, yeah, I'm doing my master's in 10 years. So it's oh, like, right. if we could do it like in person, I'm like, yeah, I'm we'll doing my master's in 10 years. Yeah. And that's well, if I actually do want to do my master's too. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about, yeah, you need the audience when you do theater because that's the whole difference of film versus theater. The, the but, whole, yeah. like, obviously technically it's different but having a live crowd reacting laughing crying ooing eyeing that's not like yes you put it on zoom and i i did zoom plays i've done zoom plays over the past couple of months which i'm not like shaming or anything but the fact no, that people do zoom yeah, plays. I, mean, I, I love that it's like i love the idea it's just that yeah. well at least we're that, doing something at least yeah. we're doing something but it's no, it's absolutely not the same. And even yeah. if we live on Zoom and we could hear people breathing, <laughs> like the audience breathing, I don't know. It, it's still not the same. You're still not in the set with the lights and the prompts. It's just not the same. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, it, well, same thing with music too. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much just an online musician now, which the, the antisocial part of me is thrilled with that because yeah. oh, I could go, I could do an interview and I don't have to wear pants, you know, <laughs> but, and I could perform live and I don't have to be anxious about talking to people after the show, even though I'm excited, I still get nervous. I get nervous. I don't, um, yeah. so, but I still, I still miss it it still was something that I was finally getting more confident at, at learning as far as I'm saying, performing my music live. Um, Cause theater, I think I've, I've faced a lot of fears when it comes to theater, thankfully, and acting, but, oh yeah, it's completely not the same and it's sad and we are in limbo. Yeah. And we got to see how, uh, how things unravel. Uh, it Talking about that actually just brings up a good point that I wanted to make was between theater crowds and music crowds, have you seen any difference between the crowds? Because I know music crowds are much more vocal. Theater crowds are much, well, they can't be much more vocal because they're watching the show, but when they're interacting with the show, it's like they're, they're like, you know, ha Like, but, you know, with musical crowd, I mean, musical crowds, but. You know, yeah, concert music, goers. yeah, concert goers are much more vocal, that sort of thing. Well, I'll tell you what, you know how there's, you know, Brian, there's like certain theater etiquette, like you don't go through your candy wrapper, you don't go on your phone when there's a play going on. If you don't like the play, you sit there and you take it and you daydream and you fall asleep quietly, but you can't snore. 
yeah. but when you're performing music, if someone doesn't like what you're doing, that don't matter. They can be on their phone, they can roll their eyes, they could leave, they could, and all of that has happened to me, except for the rolling eyes part. But what I'm saying is there's, there's not really etiquette when it comes to someone performing music because people are so much more, I think, skeptical when they see someone performing music. When it's theater, it's this fixed play that has been rehearsed for weeks. When you're just going up as a music artist, it's just like, who is he? Who is she? What's yeah. their story? And it's not necessarily a mean, judgy thing, but they're looking and they're seeing, do I like them? Do I, do I like this kind of music? Do I like what they sound like? Maybe I just like the way he or she looks. And the crowd, there, I will say the difference is there's not really etiquette when it comes to a music crowd. There is yeah. etiquette when it comes to a theater crowd. Yeah, that, that is true. I would say, I will say that uh, theater crowds must more maintain and contain compared to a music crowd where it, where it feels a lot more in your face, like really, really energetic, you know. And the weird and the weird thing is, I haven't really been to many concerts, but I've seen concerts, you know. I've been to a concert movie, which is you know. Yeah, I just like last year. I remember, huh? Concert movie. Yeah, uh, that's essentially when a band films a concert and they release it as a public uh, movie. So. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like uh, when um, Katy Perry did her "Part of Me" thing, yeah. that kind of. And last, yeah, last year, uh, Metallica did SM two. Uh, Sympathy Metallica, which was the anniversary of their first Sympathy and Metallica concert 20 years before. Uh, they did it in San Francisco again, and just seeing that film on, on screen was pretty much like watching a concert as it was happening. And of course, you know, you have the people who are right next to you. You know, my brother and I were, we're just enjoying this thing. We're singing along to the song. But of course, like any other concert, you know, you have the two, you have like a, a drunk jackass that's right next to you who is, who is just like, yeah, come on, Metallica, you know, just like really, really being a drunken jackass, of course. Yeah. No, so, I, I've so, had to do some, some, some reckless people while I was an audience member and it, it drives you nuts, but I don't know, people, people just are the way they want to be. If you're at a concert, a lot of people, if you drink, you're going to drink at a concert. If you get high, you're going to get high if you're seeing one of your favorite acts, um, which isn't, it doesn't justify their behavior. But again, it, it's a very different experience. Um, but, being yeah, it's a very different experience compared to a theater. Uh, but speaking of, but keeping on the track of theater and music, uh, venues and theaters itself. Uh, do you have a preference to which theater or venue you like to perform at? Because I know you performed in Lower East Side, uh, the Bowery. Uh, I know you performed in Williamsburg. You performed in, you know, off-Broadway plays, you know, black box theaters, that sort of thing. So in terms of actual, you know, venues and that sort of thing, 
do you have a, a preference to which type of venue you want to play? Or do you prefer the more intimate, it's a back room inside some bar, you know, only like maybe 10 seats, you know, a low ceiling, but a good acoustic level? Or do you prefer something like, you know, uh, a, uh, a stage like, uh, like a community theater, you know, high ceiling, but you have to really enunciate your lines, you know, and so make sure, you know, making sure that people in the top row can still hear you, even though there's like a third of like that many people inside, just like, and like what you said before, you know, like they could be like watching you very dully, someone could be sleeping, that sort of thing. So in terms of your preference, do you yeah. prefer the more small intimate places or do you prefer something like a more larger stage where you could actually be more expressive? As far as music or acting? False. So the thing with theater, I've done very intimate theater stuff and it being someone being this close to you and actually the last live show I did up in Auburn, a kid decided to sit at my and my, my, um, my co-stars uh, like focal point we were supposed to be looking at that thing and that thing was a stain on the wall and the kid sits right on at our eye level and you know of course we're being professional we're handling it so we kind of shift and look a little bit more because we can't just stare stare down this kid he's going to be like who are these people you know he didn't know what was going on so yeah. and it was an intimate stage in fact it was it was so intimate that the stage we were at, the audience with um, the people that organized it, they put the audience's seats on the stage. So to get an idea of the intimacy, it yeah. helped It helped me. Intimate shows helped help me with confidence and with adapting. Um, so when I, I did the intimate stuff at Bowery and you came to my first ever, my first ever, singing music performance which was a big shift and it was the challenge and it it was my first so it, it wasn't wonderful but I did have a great time doing it and um I don't know I just look back at <laughs> like I laugh because I don't know I, I've gotten better since then but it's also like dang like that girl really tried um but it was good because I got to see how someone who doesn't know you and knows you're about to perform, they want to talk to you. So a lot of people that I performed, when I perform my music, they're so interested in you before you go on it. It's, oh, you do music? Oh, what kind of music? Oh, when are you going on? So that's completely different than when you're in theater and you're preparing in the back and you're getting ready yeah. um not when you're when you're singing you get to like mingle until until you go backstage to do some some warm-ups but for the most part you're there and then you know they want to see is this person totally different than the girl that I'm talking to so that has been cool um and then I performed I think the largest theater I've, I've performed at was the the Tribeca one as far as um, acting yeah. is, I don't like 
size wise, I mean, I will say when I did the show, um, what they'll remember, and I'm pretty sure you came to it when I, I played a prisoner. Yeah. I performed in what's the poetry place? It's slipping my mind. It was a, a it was uh, yeah, I know it's, it was New York yeah, poetry. Yeah, and it's on like the upper, not upper, it's on like the lower east side. So it was on, it was in a place where it literally, okay, a quick funny story. Uh, one of the performances I actually went to, I think it was like the second to last performance. And here's me, you know, going to the lower east side. The lower east side, it's, it, it's not hard to get to. It's like, you just go to a certain point and, you know, but when there isn't a train station by this place, and you're walking in a place that's like late at night and it's cold as anything because this was like in the uh the the like oh, I we say, said fall to december it's something yeah it was like the fall december like weather where it's like the, like fall is ending and december is starting and it's like it and this is like not one of those like oh it's just a chilly night look when you're in new york city especially in a December night, it's going to be chilly as ending, even if it is going to be a December night, especially an early December night, because it's all much more cold. I don't know why compared to, say, you know, Brooklyn or Queens or Bronx or something like that, or even stay out. It's yeah, much more colder. Winter, winter, though, that's going to yeah. be colder. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it literally took me at least maybe 10 to, like, say, I want to say, no, yeah, it took me at least 30 minutes just to get through this place, and apparently the, the, the path I took was, like, I went through it, uh, I went all around it in a roundabout way, so yeah, it, it's weird to actually get to this place, and by the time I got to this place and actually get to the performance, I'm like 30 minutes late, it was like, and you're and I was like, oh, no, don't worry, you, just, you didn't miss anything, and, but it's, oh, you and missed this, the of the play? Yeah, I missed the beginning of the play. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you were free. Were you underdressed, or was it just that brutally cold? It was that brutally cold. I was trying to get to that place. That brutally. and he, and here's the thing. A lot of these places that we perform at, especially either in theater as an actor or an actress or as a singer, even though I'm not a singer, I'm just using this as, you know, as an example. Any venue that we perform can be easy to get to. But, and here's the but, some menus could be way, way, way out of, out of your comfort zone. And trying to find that, especially in a metropolis like New York City, can be very mind-boggling. Because I would go and actually apply to, uh, yeah, apply to auditions. And some of these auditions would be like, oh, yeah, they'll be on the Upper West Side. And like, okay, is the Upper West Side? Okay, that's doable. That's doable. Yeah. But like Upper East Side? Okay, that's doable. The farthest I've actually been to in terms of New York City was to do the the you know, music video uh, Social Suicide. That was the farthest I've been to because I'd never actually been past the Bronx. Only the only time I've been past the Bronx was only to go see a Yankees game. Go Yankees. And and not saying I'm also not a Mets fan too. I'm also a Mets fan too. No, it's okay. Yeah. I mean I'm not into oh shoot, I moved the wrong thing. I'm not a, a sports fan, but my, my dad goes hard for the Mets, so I, I'm loyal to my father. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, my father's a big Mets fan, too. But, 
I'm just saying that I'm both a Mets and Yankees fan because, you know, I've been brought up on both teams. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, you only went for a, a baseball game. Yeah, so, but going to your place for that music shoot, that was like the only time I actually been in the Bronx that wasn't for like a baseball game. And it's weird because, you know, when I was walking around that portion of Bronx, it felt like walking around Brooklyn because it felt very, very uh, Brooklyn-esque. Very, not residential, but very like you're in an area like Park Slope where it's like you see like warehouses, you see like the... uh, the, the highway in front of you, you know, I, I felt like it's like, you know, sooner or later I'm going to be walking down the block of, like, say, Park Slope somewhere. Like, that's how it felt. That's how, like, Brooklyn it felt, even though the Bronx is literally a different area of the city. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it's so, gritty. I know what you mean, like a gritty kind of vibe. Um, like, they probably shoot a scene from Gotham there. Yeah. And so, it's odd how essentially a lot of this time, a lot of these times, especially when you're an actor or just a singer in general, and you're like a starving singer or a starving actor in terms of saying, I want to do a lot of this stuff. I want to do, um, you know, I want the exposure, but, you know, this place is in like the First Avenue and, well, uh, and East. 68th Street, and you would go and see, okay, what trains are running there, and, you know, it's an addition to do a, you know, something like Hamlet, or, yeah, something like Hamlet, and this place is, like, maybe 20 minutes away from the actual train, because, you know, you gotta get off the train, and then you gotta walk down all these blocks around where First Avenue is, and then, so, it, it like, as, you know, Theater artists and theater artists do well. Theater artists and performing artists in general do shuffle for their lot because you know we're going to places that are like way out of the comfort zone. Because you just mentioned that you you were in a performance like that was probably not in the city. Because I know the performance you were talking about there. Yeah, it's like the performance you were talking about were was like like out of state, I think, or maybe even upstate. So. So when it's, uh, so I do like the idea, it's like, it's good that when you see people who you know are doing stuff that far way out state, I mean, not way out state, like way out of your you know, uh, comfort zone, that means they are really, really striving to be very good uh, uh, performing artists. Like, yeah, it's just, of course, this might be my own little personal nitpick, but I, I really, just like it when there is a audition or something to that effect where it's just like, okay, it's on a train line that I know I could easily take one, two, or just like one train, just like right oh, yeah. there. So, who doesn't yeah. convenience? Because it's already so much work to prepare for a audition or a performance. So but, why would you want to stress if you're going to be late or if you have to walk 20 blocks to get to get to the spot absolutely yeah uh but to conjure up what i was trying to say with the start in terms of your own expertise have you actually been to an audition for both singing and acting where it was like okay it's way out of my comfort zone but i'll try and make it there but in the end you were just like 
I really just don't want to go there because it's like, like it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like, hey, like even though I can make it, you know, it doesn't feel like I could actually make it there on time or it's like, I could probably make it, but I just don't want to go because the way, the way the uh, travel is. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I've met a lot of, and they just happen to be maybe 20 years older than me, but I, I've met a lot of people in this industry and they live in Connecticut and they get yeah. up at four in the morning to drive to set or to an audition to be here on time, to find parking, to prepare. You got to do what you got to do. If you're making an excuse for traveling to your audition, which is an opportunity for you to perform and for you to get a job and for you to meet people, even if they don't hire you, They're, they'll know you. Yeah. If it's too much for you to travel two hours, then I don't think you really want to do it. See, this is the way my show works sometimes, is that I would ask a question or comment about something and it will really make you answer because, you know, I would. I have had had people who have been stunned by my uh, conversational skills, but, uh, but yeah, in the end, that's all that matters is that hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But in the end, essentially, if you don't feel like this is the right uh, thing for you, then you just don't apply. I mean, just don't audition at this role. Yeah. Yeah. But moving past auditions and stuff like that with theater, and because I feel like we haven't talked about much of this, so I want to know how did you come up with the name Leave a Scar in terms of your like artistry name? Because I know you can easily just go as by, oh, my name is Rachel Navarro, I'm a singer, that's all. Did you really want, uh, did you create this uh, name to really differentiate the fact that uh, like if I'm Rachel Navarro, then People be like, oh, you know, people see me as an actress, you know, stuff like that, you know. Uh, and I know you've done poetry too, and you know, people are like, oh, it's like maybe as a poet, poetress, yeah, poetress, that sort of thing. So, poet, there we go. I like uh, poetry. Um, that's pretty. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's because you know, Trish was also in my mind too. So it was like I was kind of like fixing those two words together. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so did you create Leave a Scar as a way to differentiate, hey, you know, Rachel Navarro might be the actor, actress and poet, while Leave a Scar is much more of my more mature and emotional self? So how I came up with it is beyond me because... <laughs> I, first of all, I needed something because when I first started music, I was myself and when I would meet people and they'd be like, Ooh, what's your artist name? I would be like Rachel Navarro. And I could tell they like it, it, it went in one ear and out the other. I knew I needed something that represented my music. And that also was different from the girl that everybody knows. I, because yeah. my music is completely different from, from this conversation, I don't think, I don't think you would hear my music and think, oh, she makes that kind of music. Yeah. Um, I would write down and I even ask people for help. Oh, what should my artist name be? And I got cool suggestions. 
and some names came to mind and I got really excited, but then I, I looked them up on Spotify and, oh, there's already an art. I don't want if what, there's two other, three other people with that. I didn't want it. I needed something completely unique. That was me. And yeah. one, one day in December, I was just folding laundry. I was folding laundry with Anthony and I don't know what it was, but the, the sentence, leave a scar, came into my head. And I was like, ooh, oh, like, oh, like that's gonna leave a mark. Like, oh no, that's gonna leave a scar. And I thought that sounds really interesting. And then I thought, hmm, I have a lot of scars on my body just cause I bruise like a banana. And um, I, get, I get marks really easily. Like I have this scar right here um, yeah. from a play that I did. And um, I, I, I liked the, um, the wholeness of it. Like, like it's part of me. I have scars all over my body. I have marks all over my body. And I think that music represents the same thing. Like it's going to leave an imprint on you no matter what, whether it's a good memory or a bad memory, just like a scar. And that was the idea for the name. And as I said, it's, it's more separate from the girl you're talking to right now. I make like dance, electronic kind of hip hop music. And that's not me. Like yeah. it is me, but Lita Scar is my higher self. She's my more confident self. She is more patient. She uh, doesn't have, I, I could have a short view sometimes. So. She's basically the ideal woman that I strive to be. And we will come, you know, come and meet eventually. But right now, I, I'm, I'm still learning along the way. But when I'm her, when I'm performing as her, it feels cool to be a, a completely different person. Yeah. Uh, have you actually considered something like other different, uh, like, identities? Like, I know David Bowie had, like, I don't know, like several. Yeah, Zippy Stardust and all that. It's crazy that you say David Bowie because I admire him so much because he is so iconic, but he wasn't the best vocalist. He was just this incredibly interesting guy. And me personally, I'm not the best vocalist. That's why a lot of my music is more melodic right now. And I, I minimize my vocals because I don't want to say, oh, I'm a singer. And then yeah. I sing and it's <laughs> you could just say you could say you know you do, you do you do good with harmonizing or something like that. So it's like, well, I mean, I I still train and practice, but I'm no Amy Winehouse. I I yeah. know where my friends are, and I admire David Bowie because he was a performer. He was an icon, and yeah, he had a good voice, but it it wasn't a stunning voice. But his lyrics it was a, and it was a unique voice to say the least. And I have a unique voice, and it used to be a voice that I wouldn't want to hear my voice memo, but then I hear it in my song, and I'm like, that's a different voice. I have not heard that on the radio. Yeah. You know, but I was, but yeah, I was bringing up Bowie because he had like different alter egos, like maybe, like maybe six or seven or so, like Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady Gaga has, uh, I, I think her male alter egos think is called joe i might be wrong you remember when she rolled up i love her because yeah. like all the celebrities started dressing crazy because of her and just like strolled in as a dude while everyone had like 
things on their head that probably yeah. were hurt. And, like, and this fast. is like, and this is like way, way old for me because this is something I grew up in the nineties. But Garth uh, Brooks had a not necessarily country singer. Uh, it was a time when he was doing. He wanted to do something that wasn't country singer, so he decided to do I think pop, and he created this whole gimmick. Alter ego. I forgot what the, the what it was called, mm-hmm. and it's odd because it like he had like the most nineties like look ever. He had like soul pads. He, like his hair was like like gelled out that sort of thing. And yeah. and of course, yeah. everybody, like like everyone bar is like, oh yeah, that's just Garth Brooks. That that's not you know his alter ego. That's what he so in terms of Leave a Scar, do you see that? notion of having like different uh i want to say different personas like, like different personas to actually to combat like the type of uh, themes that you're doing because i've listened to your music but even though i'm not really a big techno type of person like i would still listen to lyrics and go wow this is really really deep stuff because you know it's like i appreciate that yeah no uh- problem but yeah, do you consider having like Libus Scar like down the line having either, you know, multiple identities or just like multiple like alternative like ways of expressing herself? Like yeah. similar to where Lady Gaga or uh, Tony Bennett. Well, yeah, similar to where Lady Gaga was working with Tony Bennett, but. Absolutely, I, I do see myself uh, having different personas where Leave a scar, you know, she's got dark brows, dark long hair, she has it up in the ponytail, or I have it straight down the middle, like that's Leave a scar. She's very, um, you would find her like walking down the desert, you would find her cradling a snake. I mean, that's Leave a scar. She's into that weird stuff. She likes her distance, her isolation. But I have different stories in me. And I'm, I've learned when this name came to me that the names have to just come to me. So there is another name that has come to me. I would have it as an extension of Leva Scar. I would have all the other, you know, if I have more than one other personality, just be an extension of Leva Scar. Like I wouldn't make a a separate, uh, you know, channel and whatnot for them because uh, I'm already complicated enough. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so there, there is um, a name that came to me, which I really love, that I actually put in a script that I wrote, and her name is Elvina, and Interesting. It, uh, that just means a female elf, and I've always loved you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, pointy ears, and there, there's a more fairy-like side of me, a more, you know, elfish yeah. side of me I when I have when something more uh nature-esque like comes out of me that would be Elvina and she's kind of just like a sub uh I guess a a tree branch you know a branch under leaves yeah. so yeah that's actually a, a great point because you know a lot of albums especially you know, rock stuff, that sort of thing. They always deal with, you know, different themes, that sort of things, uh, especially if it's a uh, concept album, like, you know, Tommy, uh, like, The Who's Tommy, or Pink Floyd's The Wall, or 
walks on the moon uh, where we're new. Uh, so do you see yourself actually running a concept album where it's just into like, oh, you know, track one tells a story, you know, about this character and then track 10 essentially fit, concludes the story and concludes his character's tale. Like, you know, hmm. not, you know, something like another uh, concept that would be like R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. Chapters like one through eight or something like that, you know, he tells one story and then chapters like nine through 138, how many has he done later, he continues the story, that sort of thing. So concept wise, have you, thought of actually doing a concept album where it's just like, oh, you got to tell a story from, from the perception of one character, and at the end of the album, the story concludes as does the characters. Yeah, with the full story arc, as though yeah. I absolutely have, because, I mean, it, if it, to me, it's like a movie. To me, it's like the perfect marriage of me being a, a film fanatic and, and, and an actress and a filmmaker if I could put that into music, if that could encapsulate all, you know, all my experiences, I think that would be so fantastic. I definitely have concepts. Uh, I'm holding them here until I'm ready to share them. But thankfully, I've been able to explore a lot of different sounds. And when I really want to you know put together okay this is chapter one chapter two chapter three they're they're absolutely inside of me right now um but that would be something that i would announce more publicly when it was fun yeah. just because it's, it's delicate right now it's, it's a newborn right now and i gotta pay attention to her before you know i could yeah. take a nap while she plays yeah it, it, it's it takes a while to essentially adjust to these ideas and all this stuff. Because I, and, and it's weird because since quarantine has essentially been started for New York and well, pr practically since all everywhere. Yeah, practically everywhere. Uh, has, have you been more creative during this time than you were before or were you just, just as creative? No, honey, I've been way more creative. I've had... <laughs> free time and the first month of quarantine I actually spent uh, at the house I grew up I grew up in now I'm back here you know at the studio but even being there not being in a studio I was writing I was practicing makeup and looks I was watching movies and absorbing the performances I was writing a lot of music I was recording a lot of voice memos and once I came back here in the beginning of April, bro, I, I was making beats. <laughs> I made a lot. I made a lot of beats. They're not all gonna be released. They're not all good, but I've made some fire. I, I, I've had a lot of time to be really creative. And uh, yeah, experimentation has been big. And ev everything I have out right now, ugh, I, like I'm so proud of. And what's yet to be released, uh, I'm very excited about too. So before quarantine, I was a little less disciplined just because it it was more like if I get off work, I could either shower, get some food, watch a movie, go to sleep, or I could discipline myself to do the music, but I wasn't disciplining myself that much. And now that 
this once in a lifetime experience of us being isolated, of us not having a lot of responsibilities, to me, like there, there was no other choice but for me to create because I'm entertained by making music. So I'm, I'm making music pretty much every single day. If I skip a day, I don't skip two days and it feels really cool. And yeah, I, I know this time will never come back, but hopefully by the end of this year, I'm more established as a music artist that it really is my job that, you know, I have to make a song because, you know, they're expecting one next week. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, want, it, I want it to be more of my life where it's like, okay, you have no choice but, but to go into the booth, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you... And this is actually a good, uh, good, good question to ask. Uh, in terms of studio space, uh, how is it, like, do you, and it's weird because I've only worked in a studio space in terms of like a sound studio, that sort of thing, when I had my sound class. And yeah. we were kind of like going over like the, like the sound etiquette, that sort of thing, of how to work with a uh, you know, sound, you know, sound interview, that sort of thing. How to work with a microphone that's like, you know, you have the thing over here and then the microphone's like right here. Uh, do you still see yourself uh, like when you go into that studio every single time now, or before or after quarantine? Well, yeah, every time you go in the studio, do you still have the same uh, nervousness that you do when you go on, up on stage, or is it just like there is another thing that's just been allowing me to actually be more and more, you know what? I gotta sing this thing. I gotta sing what I gotta sing. That's right. Oh no! This this is Planet Fitness, baby. This is the judgment-free zone. I don't I don't get nervous. I don't worry about how I sound, um, whether I'm doing it or if Anthony is the producer. I mean, I have no choice but to go for it. And if I get a note, so what? I absolutely I don't feel nervous. I feel free. I get to make sounds. I will say I'm still to myself. So if I'm if I'm not confident, if I'm not crazy about a beat, I will put my headphones on and not have it blasting around. Um, that's before the mixing and everything when I'm just trying something out. I will have that more to myself, but hey, that's just the way I am. I've always been just more, I love spending time with myself. So I love working with myself. And then when I'm ready to get feedback, to get notes, I put it out there, but no, nervous? No, not here. No, uh-uh. Uh, I feel like I have not that much to ask, but you mentioned, because I feel like my questions are about almost tapped out, but you mentioned him twice now. Uh, Anthony, I know he is your fiance, fiance right? Fiance? Yes, he uh, is. I'm just trying to figure out if that's the right fiance. Yeah, it's like there's fiance and there's fiance but when you're American, when you're gonna be when it's a, when the uh, woman is a fiance it's like an extra e so I was trying to figure yeah. out this is the way I'm you, trying to figure it's like I'm trying to figure out it's a sync pronunciation I know it's like it's it's different wording but, but anyway he's your yeah. fiance funny uh, <laughs> yeah uh, how did you actually come okay this is like a two part question how did you come in contact with Anthony but also how is it, but, uh, but also, how is it also working with someone who is essentially not only, you know, 
the love of your life, but also he's also producing your music, that sort of thing. How is it actually working with him? Working with him. Uh, how is it working with him as both, hey, you know, how are you doing, my love? And also working him also professionally. Yeah. Um, and the first question was, how did we come about? Yeah. yeah. How did you both meet? Well, I was in, in need of a studio because I was working with a producer who lives in India. And oh, I was okay. going to fly out to India to record the song. And I hit up a couple of studios and they were hella expensive. And then I hit up... Um, an acquaintance, I, I would say friend, but you know, the way they responded, they, they had their own home studio and they they could have just said, no, I don't want you there, but they made excuses like, oh, we're getting, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so that fell through and I was really counting on that. I was like, wow, of course this person's gonna let me record. They didn't. And I saw on someone's Instagram story this AOA studios and I was like oh my gosh please be like a music studio because it, it could be a photo studio and I saw it and yeah I slipped into his dms I had no idea where he was located turns out he was just a few train stops away I came to the studio and I recorded and we got along fabulously but then again Anthony gets along with everyone fabulously because he's yeah. a um, we got along and, um, yeah, so working with him at first, it was very, oh, I'm a newbie singer and this guy has been producing for a couple of years. So I felt very much, I have to absorb everything he says. Yeah. Um, and I was still finding my own identity. I was still Rachel Navarro at the time. Leave a scar didn't exist, but the yeah. dynamic has changed. Mostly, I will say mostly, I have more vocal independence, but like once I started making my own beats, it was like, this is my rodeo, like this is my world. And we have a collaborative, respectful dynamic. And um, it's to the point now where it's, it's so casual that uh, if I say, hey, I wanna make music and he wants to do something else, no worries but if i say hey i want your help with this i need your feedback on this song like does this sound right with you is this too distorted uh he's great with that but i've i've learned so much through him and through additional youtube videos which are very helpful yeah. that i'm mostly making music on my own i still have him mix and master but uh, he's he's really helping me even with the mixing progress and it feels great um, The latest song I haven't released it yet, but I sent out like a private link That beat was uh, the first beat I put out that was a hundred percent me and It's great and he still makes his own music. He makes his own beats and he goes on his own his um his own beats also to sing or rap and he, he'll say hey um, which flow do you think is better? Or, hey, can can you help me write these lyrics and yeah. you know, help each other? It's very collaborative. And uh, yeah, there's no point in it being personal because we're personal every, you know, all well, the other- Practically, you know, 24 seven, we're already personal, yeah. but then we got we got to have at least a couple of hours where it goes. All right, yeah. how to put on my professional uh, two-dollar yeah. that sort of thing. There's no like, 
oh babe that sounds great it's like no anthony that that sounds fire <laughs> like we're we are in the music zone it, it, it's 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 what made us fall in love it was that thing we first had in common so it and it's like and it's like what you just said before when you enter the studio it's like it's there it, it's your planet fitness is no uh no judgment no, no and we've had other people in the studio with us also and it's this same deal it's the same dynamic we're honest with each other we're honest with them and it's really cool uh i was about to actually end this until you actually mentioned it uh you had to go to india to record this or oh i was saying that he was located in india he still is um, oh, okay he found me on facebook he saw that i was this artist that was transitioning to music and it was perfect. Actually, no, that's that's not true. He didn't know I was going to music. And all my life, I was too afraid to do music. And then this dude from India just messages me, hey, I'm, I'm a producer. You're an, you're an artist. And I guess he figured since I said, oh, I do theater. That yeah. Musical theater, people usually assume that you could sing, act, and dance. Yeah. Because you know, they assume, oh, theater, Broadway. Um, yeah. It was perfect because I was secretly writing songs and I was taking classes, guitar classes. And then this opportunity presented itself for me to be like, okay, Rachel, just, just go for it. But he lives in India and we, we would FaceTime. I would send him the, the music stems, the clips to the songs, and he would mix it in his studio. I never traveled uh, over there to, to record, no. Okay, I was just making sure. It was like, you had to go to India. It was like, oh, oh, I I, right. uh, so yeah. yeah. But on that note, I, I think I'm already done with my questions in terms of just like my, just like not only just talking about your career and that sort of thing, but I, I think the fact that your music has essentially been able to go intercontinental between essentially from America, where, you know, New York City to essentially someplace in India, that's amazing considering, you know, how music is just internationally. Yeah. I'm saying intercontinentally, and when this term is international. No, I know. Anyway, I, I know. Yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, it, it, it's, so, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, that's actually a good point. Point to make. Aside from India, do you have any other places where you kind of find out? You oh, it's like, oh wait, like wait, wait, wait my song, my, like I'm doing good musically in, in freaking in uh, places like freaking France, like. Well, I have gotten that feeling. And it's been amazing. I want to check because Spotify for artists, for artists, excuse me, is fantastic. That it will show you what country, and what city like, your like. Are from. Yeah, because I it's like, uh, and I know this is something that works well with people who are artists right now, especially with Spotify, because Spotify, you know, Spotify seems to be like the more uh, platform to use, especially as an artist, uh, aside from SoundCloud. And SoundCloud, you know, even though SoundCloud is free and easy, I think it's free and easy to use. It's but. different. SoundCloud is a totally more kind of casual feel. I would say Spotify is fantastic but then apple music also was very popular and then but, there are services but yeah well, you said about other countries yeah it yeah. feels cool um i do i'm very grateful 
I have admirers in India. So if I post something, they watch it or, or they listen to it and that's cool. But I want it more to be more than just, oh, I think she's attractive. Let me listen to her music. Like I actually have two loyal listeners in India. That is the coolest thing in the world. And uh, there's been other other countries as well. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know how they stumbled upon Leave a Scar, but I'm very happy that they did. And I think on that note, that ends my round of questioning because I think I'm fairly tapped out. But I do have three more questions out that it's quite easy to know. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. Let's do a speed round. Okay. Uh, essentially, my first question is, uh, even though quarantine and phase four is slowly reopening New York City as of the time of this recording, I'm not sure by the time I release this, New York City will probably get back to normal-ish. But do we see anything like what? It, like what type of products do do you have in the foreseeable future outside of music? I'm uh, filming a music video this Wednesday for my latest single, "Blow Me a Wish." And aside from that, uh, theater-wise, or are you just taking a break from theater, or is it just like... I actually just connected with the theater company. I am doing a reading for them tomorrow. Nice. Okay, nice. And again, the thing about theater and music, it's like it's... it's I will say this, theater is a small world, but music... I, it's like music and theater just into, into link and into connect so, like so better than they you ever think so but yeah uh my second question is do you have any advice to those who are watching or listening yes um whether you're an actor a singer a writer don't ever let your creativity die always work on what it is you ultimately want ask yourself what you ultimately want and why and write down some goals and work on it. And nothing is ridiculous. I don't care if your mom, dad, husband, boyfriend, exes, people in school, people that apparently are your best friends, if they're saying you can't do it, that's because they don't think they could do it, but you can do it. Don't ever let your passions be buried. And it's okay if it takes a while. I've been doing this my whole life and there's still so much I want to achieve. And you could absolutely achieve anything you set your mind to. So best of luck, or should I say, break a leg. All right, and the last question is fairly obvious. Uh, do, you want, do you have any social media, do you want to plug uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, friends? Sure, thanks. Um, yes, I'm on Instagram, it's scar but it's leave a scar with two R's at the end. So it's L-E-A-V-E-A-S-C-A-R-R. -E -E and then my Twitter is leave a scar with three R's. And then um, uh, my Facebook is forward slash Facebook forward slash leave a scar. I believe that is with two R's. And um, what other social media is there? Oh, I'm yeah. on leave a scar but that's the only one that is pure l-e-a-v-e-s-c-a-r so or um honestly hopefully if you google me you'll you'll find me yeah it's it's, it's fairly uh easy to yeah, find you just like 
Yeah, so it's levascar.info if you want to see more of my work. I'm on YouTube. And yes, please, let's make art together or let's just be friends because I like having friends. And on that note, Rachel Levascar, thank you for being uh, on the show. Thank you for watching episode nine of season two of Performing Arts. My name, as, as always, is Brian M. Davis. Take care, be safe, and wear your damn mask. Stop, no intermission. Shh, shut up, listen. Mm -hmm.